0: This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS.
1: My name is Bhanu Veja, Chief Strategist at UBS Investment Bank. And in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the UK economy. I'm joined by Anna Titareva, Senior Economist based in London. Welcome, Anna, and thank you for joining me. Let's go through the process of reasoning and let's start with the basics. Yeah? So inflation in the UK peaked at 11.1% in October and has since then declined to 6.8% in July. Right? So that's on a year-on-year basis. More importantly, in sequential terms, so that's three-month moving average annualized, it's now at 2% for headline, but still about 6.2% on core. The BOE expects it to come to 2% by H1 2025, so still a long way off. And they expect GDP growth to average 0.45, 0.5% both this year and next year. So that's what the BOE expects on inflation and growth. How are your views different from what the BOE expects?
2: Sure. So first, I would start with growth. So in terms of our forecast, we expect GDP growth to average 0.2% this year before rebounding 0.6% next year. So we're a bit more cautious uh, in terms of this year's forecast and then expect slightly stronger rebound next year. And in particular, uh, I think the key difference comes in in the second half of this year where we essentially expect growth to stagnate or average somewhere around 0 or 0.1% in terms of quarterly pace versus a stronger or faster pace expected by the BOE of around 0.3% quarter-on-quarter growth. Now we think that uh, the main drug on growth will come from household consumption given the sharp increase in interest rates and therefore higher uh, payments in terms of uh, mortgage interest payments. Uh, so we expect household consumption to be the key drag uh, on growth uh, in the second half of uh, this year. Secondly, in terms of inflation, so we do agree with the BOE in terms of a sort of ending point that inflation is unlikely to come back down in a sustainable fashion to 2% before 2025. However, we are somewhat more optimistic in terms of speed of disinflation in the near term. So we essentially expect somewhat lower inflation in the second half of this year. In terms of drivers, of course, uh, energy inflation decline in energy inflation and in particular cuts in gas electricity tariffs are going to play a big role. However, given our more cautious near-term growth outlook, we do also expect somewhat lower core inflation in the near term as well.
1: Okay, so you're below the BOE both on growth and on inflation in the near term. Uh, On inflation, you agree with them in the medium term, but over the medium term, you think growth would be slightly better. I presume that's got to do something with policy rates, and that's why you expect growth to be better. So let's talk about that next. The market expects the policy rate, the BOE's policy rate, to peak at about 5.9, about 6%. So effectively, the market is expecting two to three more hikes, right? roughly two more hikes now by the end of this year, and then declining to 5% by the end of twenty four, and further to about 4.5% by the end of 2025. right? Where do you sit relative to these expectations? Uh,
2: So compared to market expectations, we differ uh, in two ways. So first, we expect uh, lower terminal rates. Uh, We expect just one more uh, 25 basis point hike in September to 5.5% terminal rate. Second difference comes uh, in terms of uh, our expectations regarding the next cutting cycle. So we expect the first cut to take place in May 2024. At which point, uh, market is currently pricing in only about four basis points of cuts. And secondly, uh, we also expect a relatively fast cutting cycle given, uh, you know, inflation dynamics and given that we expect that by May, there will be clear signs of inflation being on track in terms of sustainable decline to 2%. So our expectations are that uh, once the BOE cuts in May, they will continue cutting rates at a speed of around 25 basis points per meeting, essentially getting to about 2.5% by the end of 2025.
1: Okay, so two major differences. First, lower terminal, just one more hike, as opposed to between two to three hikes for the market. And more importantly than a pretty aggressive cutting cycle, you have them cutting by about 300 basis points over a two and a half year period, whereas the market has only 150 basis points. So you're twice as aggressive as the market is over a two, two and a half year period. That's That's very interesting, right? Now, let's just think about where we are in the real world, and let's just think about how far we have traveled before we think about the future. So 10-year real rates in the UK have risen by 415 basis points since their low in 2021, in December 2021. This compares with the rise of about 310 basis points in the US and 280 basis points in Europe, again, in real terms. So in absolute terms, in real rates, we are sitting at about 75 to 100 basis points in the UK, which is at the same sort of level as it was in 2010, except in 2010, global growth was running at 5.4%. Today global growth is running close to 2.6%, 2.6% to 2.8% by our estimate, right? So less than, close to less than half of where global growth was in 2010, and yet real rates are that high in the UK. Is that too high? Is policy too restrictive in the UK right now?
2: So I would start by saying that policy is restrictive and, uh, that was also sort of for the first time acknowledged by the BOE itself. In terms of the extent of restrictiveness, I think here the evidence is much more mixed. One clear channel where we see, um, tighter monetary policy biting is, of course, housing market. If we look at, uh, mortgage lending at, uh, you know, increases in terms of interest rates, uh, housing prices, All of that does suggest that a tighter monetary policy is working on the flip side uh, if we look at uh, for example uh, more broadly uh, household consumption uh, consumer spending there the evidence is not that clear in fact uh, household consumption has held up surprisingly strong throughout winter and even if we look at the latest q2 uh, gdp numbers we see bounce back in household consumption showing growth of around 0.6% quarter on quarter with both discretionary and non-discretionary spending going up so there they Evidence is somewhat uh, more mixed in terms of how restrictive policy currently is. But as mentioned before, we do expect that a lot more uh, of this negative impact from tighter monetary policy is yet to come. It's largely going to hit household sector through the mortgage market. The fact that households will have to pay more in terms of uh, mortgage interest payments. So we do expect more impacts to come through in the second half of the year.
1: Okay, that's interesting. So we are already in restrictive territory, but it's still a work in progress. Housing is already beginning to feel the impact, but perhaps the other consumer sectors, not as yet. You spoke earlier about how well the consumer has held up or held up better than expected. You can't really say it's held up very well because monthly GDP is still 0.5, 0.6%, so not spectacular, but better than we would have anticipated, right? And one of the reasons why that is the case is the labor market, right? So earnings are still very strong, the labor market is still very strong. Has the labor market surprised you?
2: Yeah, so the resilience of the uh, UK labor market has been surprising. I would would start by saying that if we compare UK versus US and Eurozone, the key difference uh, is the uh, so just slow recovery in terms of labor participation rates in the UK. And the fact that uh, labor participation rates in the UK are still below pre-COVID levels, whereas in the US and Eurozone, we've seen this gap already closing. Essentially, that means that the uh, uh, the pool of available labor uh, in the UK has shrunk compared to pre-COVID levels. And as a result, what we saw is that uh, companies in the UK had to increase wages earlier in order. To attract new workers. And then also, uh, in terms of sort of level of increases, we also saw more pronounced wage increases in the UK with companies uh, raising wages in order to keep the existing labor force uh, in place and essentially uh, retain workers.
1: Okay. So, when we look at the market in terms of what rate hikes slash cuts are being priced in we have two to three hikes still being priced for the BOE. Uh, we have almost nothing being priced now for the for the ECB, right? And that's uh, perhaps because uh, the PMI numbers, we we're recording this on the 24th of August, Thursday, perhaps because the PMI numbers that were released yesterday in, in Europe were so poor, I mean, surprisingly poor, gets the market to fear about future growth. Well, what I wanted to ask you was, is it fair? for the market to think that the boe can hike boe can hike twice from here whereas the ecb won't hike twice so in pure inflation terms is there any signal in uk inflation for european inflation
2: so i think there are similarities between inflation dynamics uh, of in in the UK and Eurozone, but there are also more UK-specific idiosyncratic factors. So starting with similarities, uh, the common upside risk uh, for core inflation in the UK and the Eurozone is that uh, wage growth is still uh, increasing in both regions, uh, unlike in the US where we've already seen wage growth uh, coming down. And that essentially implies uh, risks, upside risks for services inflation and implies the risk that Poor inflation could take longer to come down than currently expected. Uh, on top of that, however, in the UK, there are a number of idiosyncratic factors. Uh, one, as we discussed earlier, the fact that uh, labor market in the UK is relatively more tight than in the Eurozone, which has to do with the sort of shrinkage of the labor force in the UK. And secondly, also uncertainty and still some sort of uh, effects, negative effects from Brexit. So things like, uh, you know, labor shortages of seasonal workers, in the agriculture sector, additional costs related to border checks, etc. So these are additional upside risks to a UK-specific inflation outlook. So to answer your question, uh, whether there is any signal from the UK, uh, our take would be that if we see more persistence in UK inflation, it doesn't necessarily mean that we could see exactly the same uh, playing
0: out in Europe.
1: Anna, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for yours.
0: This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity and you should seek your own financial, tax and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal regul- regulatory or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.